Business for Business Value podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Mastery Partners, where our mission is to equip business owners to maximize business value so they can transition their business on their terms. Our mission was born from the lessons we've learned from over 100 business transactions, which fuels our desire to share our experiences and wisdom so you can succeed. Now, here's your host, CEO of Mastery Partners, Tom Bronson. Hi, this is Tom Bronson, and welcome to Maximize Business Value, a podcast for business owners who are passionate about building long-term, sustainable value in their business. In this episode, I am so delighted to welcome our guest, Chris Snyder, CEO of the Exit Planning Institute. The Exit Planning Institute, also known as EPI, is the accreditation body for the Certified Exit Planning Advisors. That's a certification you can get, or SEPAs. Uh, I met Chris uh, about two years ago when I went through the SEPA course in Dallas. His book, Walking to Destiny, 11 Actions a Business Owner Must Take to Rapidly Grow and Unlock Wealth is a must read for every business owner. In it, Chris unpacks, in addition to a lot of other things, Chris unpacks the value acceleration method, a process used by SEPAs to help business owners fully realize the value of their businesses. You can find it on Amazon, or if you call me, I just might have a copy here with your name on it. So welcome to Maximize Business Value, Chris. Tell us about the Exit Planning Institute. Hi, Tom. It's It's been a while, and it's really delightful to uh, to be back together again. Uh, and I just say, for the record, you were the best student in that class. <laughs> you, you would never tell me my score, but okay, I'll accept that. <laughs> no, we don't, we, don't re, we don't release scores, but yeah, that was a great class, and uh, you were right up front, I remember, and, and drilling me with a bunch of questions. So <laughs> That I did. <laughs> So the the for for everybody that's on the podcast, the, the Exit Planning Institute is uh, an organization that does provide a credential called the SEPA, as Tom had described it. Our mission really can be summed up in three words: change the outcome. And what outcomes are we trying to change? Well, uh, I'm sure you know, Tom. People have heard about this in some of your previous podcasts. The success rate on business transitions historically has only been in the area of twenty to thirty percent. And frankly, uh, when I got into this business and learned that, I just thought that was a tragedy. As a business owner myself, I just can't imagine working my whole life you know, to build this wealth, all the, the difficulties and challenges of being an owner. And then when the, the day comes, right, to cross the goal line, win the Super Bowl, uh, you, you can't do it. You, you fumble the ball. And so I set out to try to figure out that there had to be a better way to do this. And, uh, and, and as a result, uh, you know, I bought, ended up buying the Exit Planning Institute in 2012. I'd become a SEPA myself in 2008. Um, and I was so passionate about this that I ended up buying the EPI. And so what we primarily do is support business advisors, some business owners. In fact, our, our greatest growth uh, in our membership is former business owners that want to help other business owners exit their businesses. No kidding. That's a, that's really a surprise. But you're, you you quoted that stat, and that's absolutely the truth. That's one of the reasons, uh, as as our listeners already know, I've bought and sold a hundred businesses in my career, and I've been successful a hundred percent of the time that I was selling a business, not a hundred percent of the time that I was buying businesses for a lot of reasons. 
But as I started thinking about that, and when I sold my last business, and I started studying those stats and, and realized that what I came up with is even, even worse than what you quoted there, Chris, uh, I say that for businesses that are trying to sell, there's only a 17% success rate you know, of the businesses that come on the market. And that's just right. based on stats that we've compiled everywhere. It's a little better if you're transitioning to the next generation, but not a lot better, right? Uh, and But that stat just pisses me off. Business right. owner has been working his ass off for 25 years, wanting to sell his business to monetize his long-term investment and it's not able to sell. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons behind that. Before we get into the value acceleration method, tell us a little bit about your background and why you wound up actually buying this business. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I've been, in, uh, you know, working now for, you know, out of, out of college for 40 years. <laughs> so it would take a long time to go through my background. But basically, I started out as a corporate guy, you know, uh, eventually found my way into a privately held business that was doing about $93 million a year. I was very fortunate to work with a real dynamic business owner. It was my first exposure to private business, family business in the middle market. We grew that company from 90 million to over 250 million in three years, sold it to a large multinational. Um, and along the way, I was taking a lot of notes, you know, um, and uh, that was a major milestone for me because I really learned how to do it right, right? Not, you know, I think you learn more from watching people do things right than you do from watching people who do things wrong, right? Yeah. And so um, that led me to back in the big corporation again, which I, I, at that point, I just couldn't tolerate it anymore. I lasted about a year and a half and eventually left. And at that point decided it was time to start my own thing. Um, so I started a consulting company, to help business owners primarily grow their businesses. Um, we had a model which we called BIGS, buy, improve, grow, sell, sort of represent that full cycle of either buying or starting, improving, you know, growing, and then selling, being able to harvest the wealth at the end. And what happened is there was still, you know, we were very successful at getting owners to uh, growing the value of the businesses and even successfully being able to sell them. But there was something missing. And that was that personal financial side. You know, we talk about the three legs of the stool. I'm sure you've talked about that personal financial business. You know, I talked to my clients like a year after they sold and they just weren't happy. Most of them were bored to death. So they had money, but they didn't know what to do. And so I said, there's something missing. Then I ran into this uh, organization called the Exit Planning Institute. And I thought, I'm going to go out and get my credential. And so I did. And I really latched onto this three legs of the stool thing and came back and integrated that. So then we started to do a little bit broader education of our clients. And then in uh, 2012, I had a chance to buy it. And I thought, you know, with the boomer generation coming up, only two thirds of the privately held businesses, knowing the success rates were so bad, uh, I said, we got to do something about it. We can, through EPI, we have a vehicle to do that. And so primarily what I did is I brought my methodology in, which we now know as the value acceleration methodology. I wrote a book about it. You know, I started chapters to create awareness. I reinvented what exit planning really is, which is a business strategy, not necessarily an exit strategy. 
I love that. That's that's what I say all the time. I'm not talk, I don't want to talk about your exit strategy. What I want to talk about your business strategy. If you have a solid exit strategy, what I tell our clients all the time, a solid exit strategy drives your business strategy. Exactly. If you understand where you're going, it is a lot easier to drive the bus in the right direction, right? <laughs> you know, it's almost like forget about the exit. Right. What you need to do is I think the biggest contribution we've made in the industry is we back that whole process up to present day. What can you do today to build a growing business? Right. A thriving, growing business that's also transferable. Right. You can do both. Um, But there are certain things that you have to do in the way you run your business. Um, And if you do those things, you don't have to worry about the exit. In fact, you're probably going to have multiple options. Uh, or you could be able to do it over a long period of time, which is the best way to exit a business. Well, and that's it. You know, frankly, a lot of business owners have in their head that, you know, they're just going to wake up one day, decide that it's time to sell, call their broker, you know, like they would listing a house. Uh, and three months later, they're going to be sipping margaritas, you know, down in down in Grand Cayman. It just doesn't work like that. Um, and you know yes, that. It, it, takes, it takes a long time to build that good long-term value that is transferable. So let's jump into talking about the the four concepts of the value acceleration process. We're going to talk about each one of them. You already mentioned the three legs of the stool. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about the three legs of the stool. Yeah, before I jump into that, let me comment on your last comment. You know how exiting a business, exiting a business is a pain in the ass. (laughs) It's so hard. (laughs) <laughs> there's, but there's just no way around it, but it's so worth it, right? It's yeah. so worth it. So um, that, that's what I tried to do in my book and in my methodology. And really, it's built on these four core concepts that you're talking about. The first one is what we would call the three legs of the stool. So in order to successfully transition a business, you have to be personally ready. You have to have be financially ready. And your business has to be ready, right? So not just most owners focus on business. They forget about the other two legs, right? And what happens is the biggest the, the, the biggest reason deals fail at the end is uh, uh, owner's cold feet, seller's cold feet. Because what happens is the owner's facing the reality that I don't know what I'm going to do on Monday if I don't have my business because we pour our lives into our business. And the process, I can even tell you, you know, myself being a, an owner that's 60 plus, the process of trying to figure out, well, what do I do with those 60, 70, 80 hours a week that I'm spending in my business? What am I going to do with that time? And so most of the owners, even if you can get the business ready, they get to the where they got to sign the purchase agreement and they just can't do it. So uh, being personally ready is probably the biggest challenge. It really takes a lot of soul searching, but it's a, it's a, it's a, Big thing a business owner has to do. One, one little story there, and then we can move on. There was a, we did it, we spoke to a peer group a few weeks ago, Scott and I. And uh, about two weeks after, the one of the business owners that was on that uh, peer call uh, called Scott up and he said, You know, you and your dad were on that call and you were talking about the personal leg of the three legs. And that really resonated with me because I can tell you, I'm, four, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I sold my business. I made $42 million when I sold my business, but it's now the middle of the week. I'm down my basement playing pool at 930 in the morning. My kids are grown. I'm divorced. I'm all alone and I've got nothing to do. 
And he says, if I were to go back and, and that's, that's one, like I made the money, but I would have spent more time thinking about what I was going to do next. It's a very real thing. It's a, it's fear, right? Cause they really don't take the time to think about what they're going to do next. And that's one of the things about the value acceleration method that I love. You know, we start with that, right? What are you going to do? What is what is your, what's going to fill those hours? What, how are you going to spend your life? And don't tell me I'm going to go play golf and I'm going to go fishing or I'm going to travel. You can't do that hundred percent of the time. Well, I guess some people with their exits, they can afford to do that, but you get bored with that stuff too. Uh, and you got it. Your life needs meaning. And so, but the only way to do that is to plan for it, to think about it. I call that, you know, act three. Uh, I think I saw that some in your book. Um, Who am I? Uh, You know, who am I? What do I want? And why? Those are the three questions you need to ask yourself. Yep. Yep. So it's that personal, financial, and business. Those are the three legs. Right, right. So, uh, so the second concept is value, and I love the way you put it. The, the way the chapter is titled, it, it says value versus, cross out versus, it says value and income. Because most business owners, uh, many, if not most, business owners of small and lower middle market businesses have what I would call lifestyle businesses, meaning that it provides well for their family, but it doesn't build long-term sustainable value. So in your book, you say that the business value is the long-term goal, not business income. What does that mean? It sounds like a play on words to me. It does, right? It sounds like a simple like you know, play on words, but it's not. It's actually a real uh, paradigm shift that business owners got to make. You got to stop thinking about income and start thinking about creating value. And it again, you know, when you think about it, I, I was at a, on a panel with another business owner Uh, several years ago, and I was talking about the concept of value and income. And I could see him looking at me through this, you know, through the side, my my peripheral vision here. And he's just staring at me, staring at me. And I finally looked at him and I said, Mike, what? He said, this, this stuff about value and income, this is just a bunch of BS. I'm like, no, it's not. Because what happens is you can have a business that produces a lot of income that doesn't have any value. That's not necessarily a bad thing if you're not interested in harvesting the value of the business. I don't know why you wouldn't want to harvest the value of the business because you can increase your wealth by like 400% if you do in most cases. But uh, most business owners have a nice lifestyle. They make good money. Their businesses make good money. That doesn't necessarily mean that it can sell. If your business is dependent on you, if uh, if you have a customer concentration issue, if you haven't packaged up your business like a product that you can sell, right? If your human capital isn't ready for the, the change of new ownership, you can go on and on and on if those things aren't ready. So we talk about it in the context of attractiveness and readiness, right? A business can be attractive. A lifestyle business is attractive, but it's not ready to transition. Those are two separate concepts, attractiveness versus readiness. I had a business uh, that I talk about uh, frequently that was a uh, doing $33 million gross and about two and a half million on the bottom line. Pretty nice business, right? Not bad. I went and did a evaluation of the business for the owner. As you know, what we call the triggering event, did the assessment, the interview. And at the end of it, he's asking me like, Hey, Chris, what do you think it's worth? What do you think it's worth? And I'm like, I was trying to stall because I didn't want to give him the bad news. I had, a, I wanted to figure out like how to deliver the news. 
because in reality, I was thinking it wasn't worth anything. And he kept pressing my buttons. And I said to him, finally said to him, Ron, it's not worth anything. And he got really upset with me and then a little embarrassed and then curious after he calmed down a little bit. He says, how can that be? I said, look, you have an attractive business from standpoint that it's producing great income for you, but it's not ready to sell. 80% of your business is coming from four customers, which you don't have any contracts worth. And in fact, what the, the backstory of this is this was a corporate guy that had left corporate to start his own business. The folks that were buying from him when he was at the corporation moved their business over to him because he was their buddy. So I don't need contracts, right? These are my buddies. And then he did, so he didn't have to do any sales and marketing. So there were no sales and marketing programs. And he even bragged to me that he was the best salesperson in the company. He said, maybe there's one other person that's, that's as good as me. And I'm like, that's not a good thing, right? Because what happens is when a buyer comes in and they're looking at it saying, if you leave, does the business leave with you, right? Do those customers leave with you? Or one of those corporate guys, let's say, you know, he or she gets fired or they move to another corporation in a different industry. What happens? So it's really, you got to think about packaging that business up. And the way you do that is you focus on value first. How valuable is my business to another party? Not to me, to someone from the outside in. It's an outside in measurement. And the beauty of it is that if you focus on value, which we're going to get into next, how do you focus on value? If you focus on those value factors that drive value, you're also going to get more income. So the best in class companies are the ones that focus on value first. They also have the best sales growth and the highest profit margins. You know, you touched on something here that that, that I don't want to just gloss over, and that's the whole owner dependency issue. You know, I, I I go to a lot of events. I listen to a lot of speakers. You know, particularly uh, business brokers or investment bankers when they're talking about owner dependency, and they say, they agree that it's a no no. But they say, you know, you're probably going to take a 20 to 30% haircut, meaning a reduction in value at transition if it's owner dependent. I think that's BS. I think for a, especially a business that's smaller than maybe 20 to 30 million in revenue, if you're a 50, 80, 90 million dollar business, you might take a 20%, 30% reduction in value. But if you're small, the smaller you get, the business is worth nothing. It's worth zero because you are the business, right? I, I've got a client. I'm so proud of him. When we first started working together, um, you know, he was 78 hours a week, you know, doing everything. He, he had his hands in operations and finance and all this. I, I saw him last week and, you know, he has a four-hour work week now. Yeah. Uh, he, he says, I work in the business four hours. Every everything runs like a top, and I'm focused on building my retirement business, which is perfect, right? He's gonna he wrote a book, he's gonna build a business doing that. What he's done is he's fixed the owner dependency issue. That business is now much more transferable uh, than it would have been. Well, I mean, do you agree with that? That the smaller the business is, owner dependency is a deal killer. I think. What yeah. do you think? We consider owner dependence a deal killer in most cases. The only option you would have at that point is maybe selling to a strategic buyer that's already in your industry, right? That can 
that is not going to be as dependent on you, right? Because they already are in that industry. But the fact is that having owner dependence accelerates, increases the risk of the business significantly. And anytime risk goes up, the price goes down. So even though you might be able to sell the business, right? You're not going to get premium for it. And the other challenge that you have is that the terms of the deal are going to shift from the buyer to the seller, right? So the buyer is going to hedge by saying, okay, because it's dependent, I'm going to give you only half of your money down or 30% of your money down. And you're going to have to take an earn out to prove that this business can run without you. And so, and, that, and owners don't want that. You know, the thing is, when you get out of the business, you want to get out of the business. You know, at least you want to get out of there with most of your money. You, you might have to leave a little in there in terms of seller financing, but you want to get the biggest chunk you can possibly get. And the only way you're going to do that is to, you know, reduce the risk of the business, owner dependency. In fact, Tom, owner independence is probably the one thing that I look at more than anything else when I go into a business. How independent is this owner from this business? But it's it's sort of like your golf swing, right? It's counterintuitive, right? So the harder you Clearly you've seen my golf swing, yes. (laughs) The harder you swing, the worse the ball goes, right? You know, the more it sprays all over the place. But yep. it's just your nature to just, you know, you know, get the adrenaline going and crank it up a little bit when you're really trying to get it out there. You got to be smooth. The smooth full stroke is really what you want. Right. Yep. And most business owners are in there saying, well, you know, I got to make this stuff happen. I have to do this. I have to do that. And they end up cranking it up and it actually hurts the business quite a bit. Yep. Long term. You might make some income now, but it's going to kill the long term. Well, value you, of the again, you'd have a nice lifestyle business. Yeah. But a lifestyle business, usually lifestyle business owners aren't able to harvest the wealth. If you want both, you have to focus on harvesting the wealth first, the value of it. And you also have a nice lifestyle business too at that point, you know? Exactly. I've never seen anybody focused on long-term value that didn't also drive a good income, right? I mean, it's just the way it is. So so look, one of the, go ahead. I was going to say, this is how I came up with these four core concepts in the first place. What I did is I said, okay, 70 to 80% of business owners aren't able to harvest the wealth. But you know what? 20 to 30% do harvest their wealth. So the way to learn is I didn't go out and study the 70, 80. I went and studied the 20 or 30% that were successful. And I was saying, what were they doing? Right? And that's really what my book is about. And what I discovered that there were these, these four core concepts that I talk about are the four common characteristics I saw with business owners who not only had best-in-class businesses, but were able to harvest the wealth. And that's how I came up with the four-core concepts. Yeah, you know, when I played tennis in college, the only way I could get better is play with somebody that was better than me. I never got better by playing with somebody that was worse than me, right? So so you're right. Go find the, the best-in-class and go do that. One of the most overlooked um, kind of value drivers are the intangibles. Uh, you call that the four C's. So tell us what they are and why they're important to driving value. Yeah. So the question is, okay, so if we agree now, we've got to be planning holistically on all three legs, right? The second thing is we're going to focus on value, right? Well, what next question, logical question is what drives value? So somebody had said to me uh, in a conversation that, and it was just in a, in a passing conversation that 80% of a business's value is driven by its intangibles. And I thought, well, that's an interesting concept. You know, not the hard assets. It's all the intellectual. It's all what's up here, right? The secret sauce, as I like to call it. Yep. So I went out to the uh, stock market 
and I took a look at Microsoft and I looked at their balance sheet and I looked at their market value and I'm like, lo and behold, right? Over 90% of Microsoft's value is goodwill. It's intangible value. So then I thought, okay, well, that's a tech company. Let's take a look at a, you know, like a heavy machinery company like Caterpillar. And I went to Caterpillar, looked at their stock price versus the, the net assets on the balance sheet. 80% of their uh, market value was goodwill, intangibles. So then I went back to my clients that I had worked with for several years, right? And I looked at their balance sheets versus what I had valued them at. And I was finding the same thing that you see in a public company. It's the same thing in a private company. Your balance sheet does not reflect the value of your business. I think most business owners would agree, right? Your business isn't at book value, but that's what's showing up in your balance sheet. And so that's why business owners want to get a true outside valuation to really find out what percentage of the, my business value is tied to my intangible assets. And so when I say focus on value, what I'm really saying is focus on building your intangible assets. So that means it's human capital, customer capital, or really customer capital is really about relationship capital, uh, structural capital. That's all your processes, you know, your back office systems, your financial structure, you know, it's how you package the company up, right? And, and then the last one is your social capital, the culture of the company. And it's how those four things interact, you know, your people, your relationships, you know, through your supply chain, your, your systems and processes, and your culture, how those four things interact are the things that really are the secret sauce of why your company operates best in class or above average, let's say. And so what I recommend to business owners is understand where you are from an outside in perspective now, right? How, how attractive, how strong is my human capital and how ready is it to transition, right? How strong are my relationships, my customer capital? How deep and integrated are, am I in my customers? Do I have relationships where they can't live without me, right? Those relationships are transferable. Right. And they're also it mitigates risk. Even if you have a concentration issue, if you're deep into that customer, you've mitigated the concentration at risk. So I summed it up really into the four C's. And what you'll find and, and folks that are listening today, if you go out and look at your balance sheet and get an outside valuation, done, you're going to find that 80 percent of your value, if you're going to trade above average, is going to be tied to those intangible assets. Now, at the same time, if you focus on those intangible assets, human, right, people, relationships, processes, systems, and culture, do you think you're going to outperform your competitors? If you have stronger people, stronger relationships, deeper relationships, better systems and processes, and a better culture, I'm going to place my bet on you that you're going to outperform your competition. And that's why I say, going back to that previous concept, forget income. Focus on building your four C's and you will get the income that comes along with having the best in class uh, intangible assets in the industry. My God, I love it. It's like I'm at a revival. This is, <laughs> this is, uh, man, I, you're making me, I want to go stop now and work on the four C's <laughs> in my business. So one of my uh, recent podcast guests said that uh, I tried to write this down. 
Culture is the only sustainable differentiator in any business. And to me, culture is one of the biggest value drivers as well uh, in a business. People don't think about culture in that way. Well, before we take a quick break, let's uh, let's get to the final concept because I want to talk about execution after the break. Let's get to the final concept of the value acceleration process, which is one of my favorite things. And what my the, my clients say, relentless execution, you know, you're going to beat it. You know, we're going to do this. It's relentless execution. What do you mean by that? Yeah, and that's the favorite chapter of my book because, you know, you can talk about these concepts all day long, but unless you get them done, you get them implemented, right? Uh, implementation, really, in fact, a company's ability to execute could be the differentiator in the market. Even if you have inferior products, relationships, and so forth, if you could execute, that might be the thing that gets you over the top. Um, and so the, the challenge with execution really is, uh, processes, structure, and systems. And it's really figuring out not just what to do, but it's more about figuring out what not to do. It's all about focus, right? So the whole idea of relentless execution is one, you have to have a strong, compelling vision. People have to jump on the bandwagon and understand where are we going with this thing, and they have to be excited about it. Second, then you have to align your resources to that vision, which means making trade-offs. If we're going to do this, we can't do that. And that's one of the biggest mistakes I see. Everybody, you try to be everything to everybody. And that's like the worst thing. Pick one or two things that you're going to dominate in your industry and get after that. Focus all your attention on that. Third, then, there has to be accountability. So in the process of execution, of actually implementing this stuff, there has to be a sense of accountability. Now, accountability isn't just beating people up, although sometimes that's necessary. Most of it is about, it's a learning experience. We go 90 days. I know you call them 90-day sprints. That's what I call them. We do a 90-day sprint. We stop and we, we recalibrate, just like a machine. We recalibrate the machine. What did we do well? What, you know, what did we not do so well? Let's recalibrate and let's charge again. And so you do these 90-day sprints, sprint after sprint after sprint, and that eventually leads to what I call the fourth uh, uh, concept under relentless execution, rhythm. Once your organization builds that rhythm, right, then all of a sudden it becomes automatic, like the golf swing we're talking about, right? You don't have to think about it anymore. You don't have to think about how far your backswing's going. You're just doing it. And when your organization, when that permeates through your whole organization, that then becomes the culture of the company. I, I love that rhythm. You know, this ties very closely with uh, another uh, process that we talk about a lot, and I know you're a big fan of EOS. Uh, Gino yeah, Wickman, yeah. you know, traction and all of that. A lot of that, you know, he calls it traction. You call it rhythm. Uh, I like both of those words. I, I, I uh, mentioned to you, I had the opportunity to be at a private event with uh, Gino Wickman about a week ago uh, about his new book, uh, Entrepreneurial Leap. It's a, it's a fun book and, and worthy of looking at. I'll probably review it on the podcast. We are talking with Chris Snyder. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Every business will eventually transition some internally to employees and managers, and some externally to third-party buyers. Mastery Partners equips business owners to maximize business value so they can transition their businesses on their terms using our four-step process. We start with a snapshot of where your business is today. Then we help you understand where you want to be and design a custom strategy to get you there. Next, we help you execute that strategy with the assistance of our amazing resource network. 
and ultimately, you'll be able to transition your business on your terms. What are you waiting for? More time? More revenue? If you want to maximize your business value, it takes time. Now is that time. Get started today by checking us out at www.masterypartners.com or email us at info at masterypartners.com to learn more. We're back with Chris Snyder, CEO of the Exit Planning Institute, and we're talking about the value acceleration method. Before the break, we walked through the core concept of value acceleration. Let's shift over now to kind of the implementation of that. There are three primary phases of the implementation of the value acceleration process. Discover, prepare, and decide. So many SEPAs, including us at Mastery Partners, run these cycles in 90-day sprints. We talked about that just before the break. Chris, what is the discover phase? Yeah, so the, the whole idea is, is what I call a gating process, meaning that in order to pass from one phase to the next, you have to kind of pay a toll. You have to get certain things done because if you don't get those things done, the probability of being successful in the next phase is very low. So things have to process in a certain order. The other thing is that the, the, uh, uh, the decide gate is where most of exit planning began when I first got into exit planning, right? Do I want to exit? That's not where exit planning begins. Exit planning begins way back in what I call discovery. And discovery really is what do I have and what's its potential? And how do I reach? What do I have to do to reach my full potential? And that's what we're doing in the discovery phase is figuring that out and setting a baseline valuation. This is what you're worth today, but this is what you could be worth if you were to implement these value enhancement factors. Right. If you get these things done, here's and it's a very measurable exercise that then sets the baseline for creating a prioritized action plan that will implement in 90 day sprints. I love that. Uh, so once you once you've kind of discovered uh, what that is, and part of that is understanding the value of your business kind of setting the expectation of where you want to go. We use a similar process where, where we do an assessment. Part of our assessment includes evaluation on the business, what we think it's worth on the marketplace today, if, you, if it were being sold tomorrow. But that's always an eye-opening experience for business owners. Wouldn't you agree, Chris? Many of them look at me like deer in the headlights and go, what do you mean? I thought my business was worth three times or five times that. And unrealistic expectations. We could do a whole podcast on that. But but then we go into a process to understand what it is that they need. Do you have a financial advisor? Do you know what you need? Do you know when do you want to exit? Do you know what the exit looks like? Because if you can just if you know where you are and you've done the assessment and you know where you want to be, then you can build a roadmap to kind of get there. So so that kind of is the step that you guys do in the uh, that we kind of share this process uh, is the prepare step. How does that work? So once I, you know, I understand how big my gaps are, right? We call those, we call those the three gaps, the value gap, the profit gap, and the wealth gap. We'll determine that in that discovery process. And once we, we know what we could do to make those improvements to close those gaps, prepare is really all about implementation. I could have titled it, you know, implementation, right? Really as another way to do it. Right. And implementation is really done in these 90-day sprints. So once we have our plan coming out of discovery, we're going to select no more than five business and five personal things to get done. Some of my uh, my friends, uh, owner friends, will will just pick one thing because it's so important, right? What we're trying to do is what are the most important things that have to get done in the next 90 days? 
And then in the prepare gate, what we're going to do is we're going to go through an implementation. This is where relentless execution, the accountability and the rhythm begins to develop. Because what we'll do is once we have the plan, we go through what I call each month, we have a, a team accountability workshop where we assess where are we at getting this uh, objective completed. We do that in the first 30 days, in the next another 30 days. So in the next 60 days, we'll do another milestone. And then at the 90 day, we assess the 90-day the activities, and then we recalibrate, we reset, and we do it again. And so you got to think about the prepare gate as something that's always in flux. It's every 90 days going on and on. I've had clients 10 years in the prepare gate, right? They just keep getting better and better and better. The key in the prepare gate is to make sure that the action item that you're working on implementing ties to the value factor that you assessed in discovery. Because the beauty of the system is that as I'm making this improvement, let's just say I'm working on marketing and my marketing is getting better and better, I can go back to the scoring system. And when you raise your score, you're going to raise your value, right? So it's all, again, very measurable in terms of, uh, of the, you know, its impact on the value of the business, which helps justify the investment that you have to make. You know, it's interesting. You you mentioned that uh, that you've got clients that have been doing this for ten years. Uh, I've only been doing this for three years after I sold my last company. But one of the most common things I hear, kind of on your what you call what we really call the implementation phase, right? Which is what you call the prepare phase, but it could be called implementation. What I hear over and over from business owners is at that during that process, as their business continues to get better and it makes more money it gets more fun for them too. And they go, you know what? Maybe I don't want to sell this business. You know, now I'm having so much fun and I'm making so much more money. This you've, you've energized me and my business again. Uh, do you, is that a common reaction that you hear? Yes. And, and that, that's why we charge along the way and not just when we exit the business, because I'd say quite a few business owners get into it. And all of a sudden owner, it's the business is not dependent on the owner anymore. The relationships have been, you know, diversified. Uh, people are doing more and more, and the owner can step away from the business and really focus on strategy and growth, and and maybe on their personal and financial side. The problem with the personal and financial side is owners just don't have time. Yeah. So when you step away from the business, you have time now to work on estate planning, to work on trust management, to build your financial plans, to do these other things that you have no time to do today. And at the same time, while you're preparing yourself personally financially. The business is actually stronger because you're you're investing in your human capital, your ability to uh, for your staff to run your business the way you want it run without you there. And yeah. so, uh, like I say, the thing I really like about it is it's very measurable because in the discovery we'll do those value factors, we score them, and then as we make the improvements, we go back and rescore them, and then we can really see okay. We've added X amount of value as we've as we've gone along, and sometimes the owners will change their mind and say, "You know, this isn't uh, this isn't as much of a grind as it used to be." Yep, yep, I, I hear that over and over. And by the way, we say that that's a transition uh, process as well. You know, going from being an owner operator to being an owner investor in the business; those are two different things. Those those people act differently. Uh, toward the business. But that is one of the legitimate transition processes that we help our business owners 
uh, achieve. So like you, you know, we charge basically a consulting fee as we go along. And they always ask, well, how much money do I have to pay you when I close? You don't have to pay me anything. You've already paid me uh, what, I, what I'm going to make, you know, all the way along the process. So after the 90-day sprints uh, and you get there, you guys do a regular check-in that you call the kind of decide phase. What does that mean? Yeah, so decide would be the third gate. And in decide, what I ask the business owners to do, to bring exit planning present tense, right? Because exit planning has to be state of mind, upfront, present tense. And so what we do is every 90 days, we ask ourselves, do we want to keep growing or do we want to exit? And I just simply ask the owner, like, how are you feeling? Like, this is why they sometimes change their minds, right? So they yeah. say, like, I'm feeling great. I don't want to sell the business. But, you know, it's it, that's also counterintuitive. Probably the best time to sell the business is when you're feeling great, right? Yeah. <laughs> so because yeah. um, the business is going like this and that's when you're going to get the maximum value for it. That's why it's important to have something else to do. Uh, but but regardless, we want to ask ourselves that question every 90 days. Do some soul searching like, OK, yeah, at some point you're going to decide you want to shift. Right. It could be because of one of the five D's. It could be, you know, it could be age related, health related, you know, COVID, you know, as an example, like fed up related, whatever it might be. You're going to change your mind and say, you know what, I think I want to exit. And that's going to shift the priorities in the prepare gate. Right. Because when you're growing a business, you're putting money out there, you're you're borrowing money, you're investing. Right. It's risky business. Growing a business is risky business. When you decide to exit, you might go the other route, start pulling back. You clean up the balance sheet. You make sure certain things that where you, you kind of de-risk the business in order to drive the value up to, to sell the business. So your, your focus will shift a little bit depending on which way you want to go on the longer term. What most business owners don't understand, they do understand that it takes years to grow a business. Right? It takes years to build strong human capital, years to build systems and deep customer relationships takes years to exit a business too, right? Yeah. So that's why we want to explore it. Because if you decide to shift to say, look, I'm ready to exit, what we want to do is we want to build readiness into the model today so that if you do get hit by what we call one of the five risk areas, the five Ds, right? You could still salvage some value out of the business, right? You don't lose everything. And the other thing, especially in today's market, Tom, the market is hot right now. Yeah. And you can get a call out of the blue with somebody that's got a tremendous offer. And they may, again, if your business might look attractive, if it isn't ready to transition, that offer is going away or the terms are going to shift not in your favor. Right. And so by building readiness as well as attractiveness in, you're always, and asking that question every 90 days, you're always ready to explore. Now, once you make that decision, we have like seven different options for exiting a business and the, or you can move into what I call advanced value creation where you're really investing. Maybe you're acquiring other companies or you're really investing in the business because you're going to hold it long-term. We like the owner to go through the discovery phase once and to at least two prepare phases before they really start asking themselves that question, because they're going to learn a lot in those first nine months about themselves, about their business, about their people. And they're going to be in a much better position to answer that question, grow or exit, after going through a couple of cycles of the prepare gate. That's why I'm saying sometimes they do change their mind. It goes the other way too, where an owner will say, look, I want to grow the business. 
they get uh, you know into two 90 day sprints and they come back and they haven't gotten anything done. You know, I'm going back to them saying, is your heart really still in the game here? Because if your heart's not in the game, it's time to get out. Yeah. I, I have that conversation with our clients when, when it's just, uh, as like, look, you don't need to pay me to sit here and talk to you on the phone, right? You, if, if, if you don't have the energy to go and execute this strategy, call me when you're ready. No, no, no. I really want to do this. Right. And so, uh, so I have that conversation frequently. So would, you know, I, I suppose a business owner could, could call me and get a copy of your book or go on Amazon and get a copy of the book and go out and do this uh, on their own. But do they need help to do this? Yes, they do. <laughs> Definitely. So they need a coach is what they really need. They need somebody that I you consider them like a project manager, a program manager, you know, an implementer. Like that's why a lot of EOS implementers, you know, are good candidates for this. Uh, because what happens is, you know, you're focused on your business, your people doing all those things. And there are a lot of people that are involved in this process, right? A lot of different advisors and people, you got internal people, external people. Somebody's got to coordinate all that activity. And a business owner, that's that's not their primary responsibility. So you really want to get a coach that comes in that can help, you know, coach and coordinate all of the activity that has to be done. You want to set a budget. You want to set up accountability so that you can do some measurements. You want to bring in the right people at the right time. You know, you have a lot of connections. That's how I act sort of as a, I call myself the connector for my clients. Yep. So they'll, we'll discover, oh, we need this or we need that. Might we Maybe we need marketing or we need an IT person or we need a state planner or we need a tax specialist. Well, I know all those people. Yep. And so rather than the owner try to figure out who to talk to, I help introduce those people to the owner and help the owner screen it. I don't pick those people, right? The owner's still in charge. But what I'm doing is I'm doing a lot of the legwork for the business owner so that they can be in a position where they can make an evaluation to make a selection and we move. Remember, this process is fast. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have what I call uh, Tom's Yellow Pages, you know, uh, yeah. You know, you don't need Google. Don't be searching on Google to find a new CPA or a, a financial planner. Call me. I know people who understand this. And I know how they work. And I'll give you two or three. You know, go talk to all of them because these are intensely personal decisions a lot of time for business owners. Uh, and I want them to have a good uh, fit for them. So you're right. We, you know, good SEPAs always have uh, a lot of good connections that they can uh, they can help their business owners with pretty much any type of, of uh, situation, whether it's growth or EOS implementation or financial planners, whatever it is, uh, a good SEPA has always got a, a bench uh, of folks that can help. Hey, before we end here, one last question. You, know, you mentioned something earlier and I, I really, I want you to, 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 you've been a business owner yourself, you are a business owner now and you help so many business owners with this. What is the one, the, the, the podcast is all about maximizing business value, as you know. What is the one most important thing you recommend business owners do to build value in their business? That's a tough, that's one thing, huh? One I'm going to give you two, all right? Okay. The one thing I knew is, you wouldn't be able to give me one. One thing is value. Focus on value. That's the one thing. You got to mm -hmm. shift your thinking to focus on value. And the place to start 
is to do what we call that discovery process, or what we, we refer to it, I write about it, call it the triggering event. Because doing the triggering event is going to allow, I get that question all the time. What's the one thing you'd recommend a business owner do it? I'd say, go get a triggering event done, you know, because at that point, you're going to have an, an outside in look at your business. You're going to get an assessment of your business that's got a lot of detailed, you know, details associated to it. You're going to have all your value factors scored. You're going to know where you stand. You're going to know your present value, your potential value. You're going to know your value gap, your profit gap. You're, you're going to learn all of these things. And with that information, then you can sit down and say, okay, where do I want to go? What's my opportunity? It's hard to decide where to go if you don't know what your opportunity is. Like, I don't know. You know, like, So if, if I have a business today that's worth $5 million and it could be worth $20 million, Maybe I want to try to drive for at least to get to 10 million. But if 5 million is going to close your gap and you're wiped out and you're tired and you're ready to you know, go do something else and 5 million is going to do it, then you can go with 5 million. But don't you want to know and not guess? So that's why I say the one thing would be really get a triggering event done. And as a concept, the one thing would be uh, focus on value first and you'll get the income and sales you're looking for. Yeah, that's that is great advice for us. We call that the the TRA, the Transition Readiness Assessment. That's our triggering event that that we use our own uh, methodology that that we developed our own intellectual property. And I tell business owners, you know, it's priced such that it just doesn't make any sense not to do that. Do that first step. You're going to know so much more about your business. Uh, after that first step. And so, uh, so I agree with you. You're the first guy that's been on my podcast that said, do Tom's TRA to th- or for any other CFA, do the triggering event uh, to do that. That's where it all starts. You know, okay. I mean, you, you can't skip that step, whether you're buying, improving, growing, or selling. You got to start with the baseline. What do I have? Right. What's its potential? And what do I have to do to get there? And then, yeah. then you can start having some real interesting conversations about how engaged, enthusiastic, you know, sometimes the owners will try it. Okay. You know, I, one of my favorite phrases, let's try it, you know, like, like, let's just, let's just try it for 90 days. And if it doesn't work, you can throw me out. But uh, I can't think of too many times I was thrown out. It works. You know, it works if you put your heart into it. Yep. I agree. So our longtime listeners know that, that we don't end with that good question. We always end with our bonus question. And so Chris, I have to ask you the bonus question. I can't wait to hear the answer to this. What personality trait has gotten you into the most trouble through the years? Uh, let's see. I, I would have to say um, my lack of patience. Oh, that's a good one. That's really, I think, what it is. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm. You know me, Tom. Like I, you know, I, I'm, I want to get things done. I want to move, move, move. And sometimes you just have to be a little bit of patience, right? Take a little bit of time. Be a little bit patient. Um, and, and, you know, I look back at some of the mistakes that I've made, most of them were related to, I just, I moved a little too quickly, right. Cause I wasn't patient enough to let something evolve, right. Or I didn't give myself enough time to let it evolve. Yeah. I, you and I are, are a lot alike there. I am a big fan of the culture index. Uh, I, yeah. in my mastery class this morning, we had uh, the culture index, make a presentation. And of course, I always have them start with me, show me, show my culture index. I am high A, uh, <laughs> almost off the chart A and yeah. almost a zero D, which the A is the gas pedal and the D is the brake pedal. So <laughs> I, they say, 
Bronson is all gas, no brakes. He needs to have people around him to tamp on the brakes every now and then. <laughs> yeah, me too. We, we sometimes just tug on me. So, whoa, 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 wait. Let's talk about this. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So uh, how can our viewers and listeners get in touch with you or uh, the Exit Planning Institute? Well, the easiest way is, is just go to our website, uh, uh, exit-planning-institute.org. Uh, you'll find a lot of information, webinars, a lot of educational materials, as you know. Um, or, you know, you can email me at csnider, S-N-I-D-E-R, at exit-planning-institute.org as well, you know, or just call the office. You know, we've got SEPAs. We've got 2,600 SEPAs now all over the country. Um, uh, so, you know, if you're looking for some help, uh, we're, we're here to, you know, help direct the business. So remember, our mission is to help business. At the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do, right? Yeah, help business owners. And you can find a list of SEPAs in your area. Of course, we work all over the country. Uh, you know, we're we're proud to be a SEPA organization at Mastery Partners and, and a great partner uh, in the Exit Planning Institute. Thank you, Chris, for being our guest today and walking us through the value acceleration methodology and so much more. Thanks a lot, Tom. I always appreciate the opportunity. You can find Chris Snyder at exit-planning-institute.org or on LinkedIn. Of course, you can always reach out to me and I'd be happy to make a warm introduction to my good friend. This is the Maximize Business Value podcast, where we give practical advice to business owners who are interested in how to build long-term sustainable value in their business. Be sure to tune in each week and follow us wherever you found this podcast and tell your friends about us. Uh, be sure to let us know if there's something that you'd like us to cover on a future podcast. So until next time, I'm Tom Bronson reminding you to find a SEPA and use the value acceleration methodology while you maximize business value. Thank you for tuning into the Maximize Business Value podcast with Tom Bronson. This podcast is brought to you by Mastery Partners, where our mission is to equip business owners to maximize business value so they can transition on their terms. Learn more on how to build long-term sustainable business value and get free value-building tools by visiting our website, www.masterypartners.com. That's master with a Y, masterypartners.com. Check it out. Perfect. I wouldn't make any changes on that.